Welcome to Legacy Game Changers. Our mission is to help you make, save, and grow your income. I'm your host, Zanetta Rogers, accountant, tax preparer, certified money coach, insurance agent, and travel agent. My guest today is Luke Andrews, and he and I will be discussing real estate investments. Luke Andrews is a real estate entrepreneur who sells, leads, and, and invests. He is a best-selling author who has purchased 40 rental properties before turning 40 and has a passion for trying to change lives through real estate. Welcome to the show, Luke. I am so excited to be here. Appreciate you having me. Great. So let's start with the first one. What type of real estate investment strategies should a beginner have? Well, I, I think from a beginner perspective, it, it really, it all lies in where are your passions? You know, um, you know, if someone is just trying to get started in real estate investing, there's a couple of different things that they can do. You know, there's, you know, what, what we call REITs, which are the real estate investment trusts, which are kind of like, uh, you know, mutual funds that are out there for people to invest in real estate. Usually the returns are fairly low and it's, it's not super exciting. Um, there's also something called a syndicate where you can go and get involved with some people who are already doing investing on larger scales. Um, that really kind of truly is that passive income piece of it. You know, there, there's pros and cons to that. You can get some of the benefits. Uh, you know, you can, you can ride the highs of the real estate market, um, but you, and you also eliminate some of your risks. Uh, however, you know, it's, you're you're really limiting your upside potential there, and you have a lot less control. Um, you know where I where I see a lot of first time investors get started, and where I've helped a lot of first time investors are just kind of coming in and buying little single family rentals that are out there. Um, sometimes it's a matter of keeping your your existing home as you're going to move up. You know, as, you, as you're going to buy something a little bit larger, and keeping that existing home and using it as a rental property, or going out and just purchasing a single-family home out there uh, in an area that is that is good for renters, taking a look at the price versus what you can get for rent, um, and then figuring out kind of what, what that cash flow situation looks like. So how did you determine the value of an investment property? So for me, I'm I'm looking at a, at a combination of, of really two factors, or three, I guess. So I'm looking at what comparable sales are in the neighborhood. So trying to figure out, you know, how, what am I actually going to pay to acquire this property? Then I'm looking at, you know, what could I realistically get in rent? And I'm generally pretty conservative on that number. Um, you know, if, if rents in the area are going between $800 and $900 a month for a two-bed, one-bath, little single-family home, I'm going to run all of my numbers and all of my scenarios on the lower side of that. I want to make sure that it's going to cash flow and make money for me at $800 a month. That way, anything above and beyond I know is just a bonus. Um, and then finally, I'm looking at, you know, what deferred maintenance there might be in this property or, you know, what are some expenses that I'm going to have right off the bat? Maybe it's going to need new HVAC. Maybe it's going to need a new roof, new windows, paint, carpet, whatever it is. Um, I need to make sure that I'm factoring all of that in so that I can look at what is my total cost of acquisition with a down payment, with closing costs, and with cost to, to prepare it for rent uh, versus what I expect to receive in positive cash flow throughout the year. 
Now, is there still um, properties that you can get for no money down, like those all those old programs that were out years ago? You know, those are those are much much more difficult to find. I'm sure there probably are some creative financing places out there, but from an investment perspective, it's very very difficult to find something at no money down. Um, you know, at least not that's that's very consistent. Um, again, I'm I'm sure there are some programs that are out there, and I'm sure there are a lot of, you know, you can find them on TikTok and Instagram and places like that that will show you how to do that. Um, it's never been something that I've been involved in. It's never been anything that I've been super comfortable with um, because I also, I don't want to get to a point where I'm over leveraged either because obviously coming in at zero down, you're looking at financing 100% of the project, which which I think is okay in an you know, upward ascending market. But as our market currently you know, starts to kind of stall and slow down a little bit, if we see a downturn, I just want to make sure that you know, I'm not taking significant losses. Like I, I'm, I'm okay with the value going down. I just don't want to be upside down in the property where I end up owing more than it's actually worth. Now, um, should an investor seek financing or use their own funds when they start off with their first property? You know, it's really where they feel the most comfortable. I mean, for me personally, I am always a fan of, of leverage, of doing the financing options that are out there. Um, you know, one, a, I think you're, you're kind of spreading out your, your risk a little bit. You're obviously reducing some of the cash flow, but you're also, you're keeping a lot of your funds in the bank. You're keeping them liquid. You're holding on to them yourself, and the bank is taking on a little more of the risk. And two, that leverage allows me to scale significantly faster. Um, you know, I was actually just talking to one of my agents. So I, I lead 22 agents, uh, 22 real estate agents, and a lot of them are just kind of getting to the point where they're starting to help some investors and they have a lot of questions. And one came to me today and said, well, you know, I have this investor, you know, they're, they've considered financing and leveraging, but they really just want to pay cash. And so we're trying to figure out what that balance looks like. And I said, well, you know, what if, what if we came up with some, some form of a compromise? Uh, because, you know, obviously if you're leveraging, your cash flow is going to go down on a monthly basis. Um, you know, and they may, it may even be kind of, kind of breaking even for the first year or two with the way rates are today. And I said, well, you know, why not put 50% down, uh, put 50% down so that you're, you're in a better position with the bank. So you're potentially getting a better rate. Um, your payment is going to be lower. So your cash flow situation is going to be better. Um, and then now you could put 50% down on two properties and then that allows you to scale. Now you have two instead of one. Um, so there's there's ways to kind of do both. And again, it's really where you feel most comfortable as an investor. For me, I am a massive fan of leverage. I'm a massive fan of utilizing debt to be able to scale and grow my portfolio as long as I'm doing it in a responsible manner. Right. Now, should a first-time um, investor look for a real estate, work with a real estate agent, or look for the distressed properties that you uh, hear about in all these programs, the distressed homeowners? Well, well I, I'll tell you, and, and I, full disclosure, I'm probably a little bit biased because I am a mm -hmm. licensed real estate agent, and I do have a team of licensed real estate agents. Um, but I absolutely think that, it, you know, there, there's, no, there's no harm in going out and working with an agent. 
um, especially an agent who is good and experienced with working with investments. Um, and not just real estate agents, I, I fully recommend everybody to go out and kind of build, build a team in general. Um, so you've got a good qualified real estate, uh, real estate agent out there who's not only scouring and scouting deals, um, but can also help give you insights to what comparable properties are selling for in the neighborhood to know when you're really getting that good deal. Um, but having that real estate agent, having a good property manager, having a good real estate attorney, having a great CPA that's out there, you know, that can help you understand what you need to write off, what you can write off, what you can't, how you can, you know, depreciate your assets, those things there. Um, and then having someone who has access to trades as well. So having someone who knows a good painter, a good plumber, a good electrician, a good HVAC person. Um, and a lot of times that real estate agent has so many connections in the industry that they can kind of help lead you down that path. And instead of you just kind of going through, you know, what would have been the yellow pages 15 years ago, now it's Google. Now you've got an opportunity where an agent can say, okay, here's two or three people that I work with and I really trust. Why don't you go interview two to three people, figure out who you're going to mesh with rather than just kind of going on Google and potentially interviewing 15 or 20. It's going to save you several steps and then you get personal recommendations. I know when I used to um, invest in properties, my hardest part was trying to find someone to do the repairs and actually show up. Do you have any recommendations for that? You know, again, it, it all goes back to finding people you know and trust who have good referrals. Uh, now, now I'll tell you, sometimes there are there are some agents out there, you know, who maybe have a good electrician or a good plumber who actually shows up, who does a great job and who does it for a reasonable price. And sometimes they don't want to share those numbers out there with you. Um, but I think it's always good to kind of ask around um, and, and you're probably going to get burnt a couple of times. And somebody gave me some advice a long time ago, which was I thought was phenomenal. And it, it really goes it goes for a lot of things, but I mean, when you're looking at contractors or trades specifically, they say you can have good, you can have uh, fast and reliable, or you can have cheap. Um, so you get to pick any of those three, but you only get to pick two. Um, so what do you want? So if you want good and reliable, they're not going to be cheap. You know, if you want good and fast, they may not be reliable. Um, um, or I'm sorry, if you if you want good and cheap, they're probably not going to be reliable or be able to get you in very quick. So there, you kind of have to have to find that balance. But it's always good to have those referrals out there. Um, and again, you're probably going to get burnt once or twice. You're going to have several people in your contact list that you're going to be able to call for any given job, and a few of them end up getting deleted relatively quickly um, because you realize that uh, they don't do what they say they're going to do. We have to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with more information on real estate investing. Hello, this is Zanetta Rogers. Join me on Wednesday at 5 p.m. for my new podcast, Legacy Game Changers. Every Wednesday at 5 p.m., join me, and we are talk about finance, education, and wealth building for you and your family to leave a legacy for your loved ones. Once again, that's Legacy Game Changes, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Are you ready to join the billion-dollar podcasting industry? 
If so, Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio is ready for you. Whether you're just starting out and have no equipment or you're a seasoned pro but need help with production, Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio has everything you need. Conveniently located in Middletown, Delaware, Blake's state-of-the-art production facilities make producing your first or 100th podcast a breeze. No matter what kind of project you have in mind, the professionals at Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio can help with your production or give you the tools to produce it on your own. At the heart of Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio is award-winning blogger, vlogger, and CEO Antoinette Blake. And her goal is simple, to help one more entrepreneur be successful. So stop making excuses and start making your podcast, audiobook, e-course, and other online dreams come true. Call Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio now, 302-261-3530. That's 302-261-3530. Thanks for listening. We're back again. I have a couple of more questions. Should the investor purchase properties in their own name or under LLC? So there, there's a couple of different ways that you can do it. And, you know, first and foremost, I'd, I'd want to make sure that you are being advised by a by a real estate attorney and also a CPA to kind of help you walk through some of the pros and cons of each of those. Um, I, I really like doing things in an LLC. Um, you know, I may not initially make the purchase in an LLC. Um, you know, sometimes the rates are a little more favorable doing as an individual. But I will ultimately end up quit claiming it over to my LLC um, just to make sure that I, I have some liability protection. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a CPA, but, you know, which is another, you could, you can probably, uh, you can probably advise on this a, a lot better than I can. Um, but once you start acquiring a, a number of properties, I may recommend, I mean, at least for me, for myself, and then for, you know, investors that I work with, having multiple LLCs and having a couple of properties in each one. Um, you know, if you've got one LLC and you've got 25 properties in there, well, if there's a slip and fall or a fire or, you know, whatever it happens to be in one, then all of a sudden, all of those other properties are at risk. Now, I also don't think that you need an individual LLC for each property. I know some people that do it that way. Gets a little tedious and cumbersome at the end of the year as they're trying to get all their numbers together and trying to do taxes. Um, but you know, they they just feel the most they feel the most comfortable that way. Uh, for me, I'm kind of grouping things together and I'm getting three, five, seven properties in an LLC and then I'm moving to another. Um, and I typically have them grouped either by like and kind. So like these are kind of all my my two bed, one bath, single family homes. And then this LLC over here has all of my duplexes and triplexes in it. Um, or I've got them kind of grouped by area of town or neighborhood and say, hey, these are all my, uh, these are all my Beachmont houses or these are all my Wyandotte houses, um, you know, which are, which are neighborhoods here locally where I am. But it, uh, I, again, it, it kind of all comes down to somebody's comfort level. But I absolutely think, um, Having things in an LLC, it keeps it a little cleaner, and uh, you know it, it presents some professionalism when you're dealing with your tenants, because you want them to know, hey, we we've got a company that we're actually working with, and it's not necessarily just uh, you know John John Smith over here who owns a couple of properties. Um, but then again, it, it's just more than anything from a liability and a protection standpoint. I, I like having them in an LLC. 
Now, are the requirements for buying a, like a duplex different from buying a single family home? Not really. I mean, from from a requirement standpoint, there there's not a lot. I mean, there there may be some zoning issues or challenges in your. So you just want to make sure, especially if it's in an older part of town that it's actually zoned and designed to be a duplex. Um, but typically, financing is going to be the same uh, from anything from one to four units. So a duplex, a triplex, a quadplex, or a single family are all going to be pretty similar. Um, it, you know, it's. It's just a matter of, I, I actually like the, the multifamilies, the two, three, and the four units, uh, but they're getting harder and harder to find right now. Or at least, I, I'll tell you what, I, I take that back. They're not hard to find. Um, the good deals and ones that cash flow that don't have a ton of deferred maintenance are harder to find for a good price. Now, do you have any negotiation tips that you can share with the audience? I, I do. Um, I mean, for me, I. I like to be very, very prepared. Um, I like to know what the comps say in the neighborhood. I like to have a really just a range of where I'm hoping to get this property. I like to have a an upper level limit of where, you know, just the absolute max that I'm willing to go. So, so being prepared on that, but also, you know, knowing what the rents are going to bring. In certain neighborhoods for certain properties, I also like to, um, you know, I, I like to know. Anytime any of my properties, if if I've got somebody that's coming in to quote some work, um, I like to go over with them the first couple of times because that just kind of teaches me, hey, you know, what's it going to take to put flooring in here? What does an HVAC unit really cost? What's it going to cost for a new a new fridge or a paint, whatever that happens to be? Because those are all things that I'm going to have to use. Um, when when negotiating the the property, these are all things that I'm going to have to say. Okay, well, you know, I know you're asking me to pay $125,000 for this, um, but you know, I can only get $900 in rent, and it's also going to need a $7,000 roof, and it's going to need a $4,500 HVAC unit, um, and it's going to need $2,000 worth of paint. So then that gives me some leverage in negotiation to come through and say, hey. You know, houses in this neighborhood are actually selling more for a hundred five thousand. You're asking a hundred and twenty five, and I know that because I've done my homework. Right. So, what does leaving a legacy mean to you? Leaving a legacy just it just means that I'm doing things the right way. Um, that I can feel comfortable. I can sleep well at night knowing that the information that I'm putting out there. The people that I'm helping, that I'm legitimately helping people, that I'm not just doing something that is completely self-serving, that I'm actually going out there um, and I'm teaching others to do this. You know, I, I heard uh, heard a pastor several years ago uh, say something about spiritual, what he called spiritual grandchildren, which mm -hmm. were, you know, it's not about the people that you go out and share the gospel with. It's about who they go out and share the gospel with, right? And so it's, you don't just have the impact of the people that you're touching, it's who are they touching. And it's, and I look at that too, I mean, from a, from a real estate perspective, it's like, okay, how many people can I go out and touch? And then how can I teach them to go out and touch others and to help others and to change lives through real estate? And so to me, that, that's what the legacy looks like. It's going out and it's doing the right thing, not for the money, but knowing that if I do the right thing and I take care of people, that the money comes through and it follows behind. Right. So how can my audience reach you? 
for more information? Easiest way to get in touch with me is just to go right to my website, lukeandrews.us. Um, and through there, you can, you know, you, you can get access to my books. You can follow me on social media, email lists. Um, I, I'll tell you that if someone wants to email me, if they have specific questions about real estate investing, this is something that I love and I love just talking through on a regular basis. So if somebody has specific questions, not only about my market, but just about investing in general, they can email me Luke at LukeAndrews.us. Um, I answer all of my own emails. I don't have an assistant or anybody doing that. Um, so if anybody has any questions or needs anything at all, they're more than welcome to contact me through my website or email me directly. would love to hear from them. I have one more personal question. Now, if I decided that I wanted to be a um, hard money lender, how would I go about that? Ooh, to be a hard money lender? You know, I honestly don't know what the requirements would be for that because I don't know if they – if they have to follow the same guidelines and regulations that traditional lenders do, or if it's something that, uh, or if it's something that they can just go out and just start in, investing money, I imagine there's there's some version of government oversight, um, but I I really don't don't know. Okay. Well, is there anything else it, you would like for us to know? Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what. If uh, you know, I I wrote a book recently that was all about you know, how I got started in real estate investing. And it was something that as I was, I had written a book before and I was like, you know what, I want to write one all about real estate investing and about my journey through there and about really the, the mistakes that I made on the front side and the mistakes that I see other first-time investors making. Um, and I, I initially wrote the book because I was, I was looking at it and it's like, hey, this will be another source of, you know, kind of passive income. I can put it out on Amazon. I can do these things. But it came to me one day and said, hey, if you are genuinely passionate about helping real estate investors and about doing these things, um, you can't charge for this book. You, you can't do this like, you, like you've done the others in the past. Um, and so I decided I've made the book. It, 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 it's digital only, um, but it is 100% free. If people go to 10investormistakes.com, that's the number 10, one zero, investormistakes.com, um, they can download that book absolutely free. It's all about, like I said, the, the, ten, the 10 mistakes that I made when I first got started um, and that I see a lot of first-time and early investors make. So 10investormistakes.com, they can download my book absolutely free. Hey, great, because I'm going to go to your website <laughs> so, I can, so I can get that information. So I, I really appreciate you being on my show today. Oh, this was fantastic. I, I really appreciate you having me. Had a had a great time. This has been Legacy Game Changes. I'm here to help you with your financial needs. You can reach me at LegacyGameChangers at gmail.com or go to www.Zanada.Rogers.com or call me at 443-906-3882. Have a blessed day.